The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. Hi, this is Jessica Haygate. I'm the technology editor at Campaign US. We're here for a special podcast to talk about Havas's inaugural superhuman report launched at the 2024 Consumer Electronics Showcase. I'm joined by Eric Weisberg, Global Chief Creative Officer of Havas Health and You. Hello, Eric. Hello. How you doing, Jess? Thanks for joining me today. So based on the research that you've conducted, how would you describe the current state of the healthcare industry? Well, I think we're we're seeing this remarkable transformation and CES is sort of uh, a bellwether for what that is, which is that we're seeing this, the consumer transformation of health people taking uh, health into their own hands in a way that they never did before. And that is leading to an enhanced experience with their physicians, an enhanced experience with their own personal wellness. And COVID in some ways was an accelerator to that. You talk in the report about a more personalized healthcare landscape. And I'm wondering what that might look like for the average consumer. I think we've seen, when you think about the ecosystems that surround our lives, we have an ecosystem for content that we consume, what that looks like. We have an ecosystem for our, our mobile phones that becomes ecosystems for our connected homes. And now we're seeing that we're going to have this own personal ecosystem for health that we're going to make this move from all of these disconnected gizmos and gadgets um, to a, a whole ecosystem of our health information driven by the connectivity to our cars, the connectivity to our homes, the connectivity with our doctors. It's fascinating, really, how everything has shifted so much. Um, I want to also ask about the kind of value of this, because a stat that you had in your report is the global digital health and wellness market size was valued at about 200 billion in 2021. And that's expected to expand at compound annual growth rate of about 18.9% to reach nearly 600 billion by 2027. Which areas are leading the growth of this? Oh, I think at the core of the growth is the new ways that we have to manage and live with chronic disease. So there's a massive transformation of that led by all of the predictability that that, uh, AI driving health data uh, uh, brings. But the reality is you get back to your first question, which is, the the consumerization the are us taking personal uh, responsibility for our health by by bringing technology into that that shift coming into an industry that was already 20% of the US GNP is leading to this explosion in in growth AI, definitely the hot topic of CES. Yeah, we weren't going to get out of this, so we're not talking about AI, were we? I'm glad. We, we've mentioned it in the first five minutes, so that's great. Um, in what areas are you seeing AI transform the healthcare experience? What kind of practical use cases have you seen that you believe are going to be revolutionary? I think that the, the interesting thing is we've, of course, been living with AI for a long, long time. And the thing that happened when ChatGPT came in our lives is it made it instantly more accessible. What's interesting about what's happening with AI and health is we've been swimming in in health data since electronic medical records sort of took over the world, but we don't know what to do with that. 
And what we're seeing now in health is that predictability is really transforming how people take care of that. We're seeing all of these things that use social determinants of health, what are in population health, what are predictors of things that could happen, what are their signs and data that we previously never even knew, um, even facial recognition. And, and, and AI is taking all of this data that we previously didn't know what to do with and suddenly making it accessible and easy for us to action. One thing I'm really fascinated by with this concept is, you know, we have more data than ever available at our fingertips. But that can be, I guess, for consumers, really overwhelming. You know, what do you do with all this data? So I, I guess when you're thinking about that, what are some of the risks of this new era of healthcare we're in? Um, when it comes to this kind of over-analysis paralysis? I think you're right that there is more data than ever before. I do think there that has been overwhelming to people. But not to get into the buzzword bingo bullshit of AI, but it is the thing that is changing, which is we've gone from not knowing what to do with it to suddenly... Um, having actionable steps out of the patterns that are seen in, in data. So I think that shift is happening. I, you know, look, I'm a creative guy. Um, I can't, I, the, the, a lawyer is a better person to ask where's the, the great risks and all of this. But I, for me, if there is signs that you can do something about a chronic disease in your life before it becomes symptomatic or before it has a massive impact, I only see upside. One kind of knock-on effect that I'm fascinated by, and this may be a question for a regulator to address, but you know, with this improved healthcare, obviously there's a whole slew of benefits. You know, we can. Uh, prevent diseases, we can treat them faster. But that also means we're going to have a more aging population. Yeah. And economically, that's challenging. We've seen that in certain countries. China's yeah. dealing with that right now. Is this something the healthcare industry is considering when they're investing in this evolution of healthcare? You know, it's one of these interesting things. And of course, I'm not an economist, but there's no question that there is things that will transform in our lives because we're going to live longer. But it's hard for me to look at all of the things that are coming online, these connected ecosystems of our personal health that help us live longer, live better, live more fulfilling, fulfilling lives and think that isn't a net positive. So I, I like at the end of the day, um, there was a there was a a, a a book I read years ago about you have to live long enough to live forever, and I I think there's a bit of this sort of spirit that is going through all of our lives. All of us want to live as long as possible, um, so I, I I see all of this as a net positive. I love we're having a very kind of theoretical conversation <laughs> for um, 9 a.m. at CES, but it's really fascinating. I'm just going to stick on this trend for a little bit. But um, another kind of challenge that is very top of mind is um, child and teen mental health. This is coming up a lot in regulations. It's coming up, up a lot for social media companies. Um, how are you thinking about the kind of risks of what, what all of this, again, like this healthcare data and, and what it might be leading to when it comes to how kids are pursuing this idea of perfection um, and rather than, you know, being kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, as the dad of a 15-year-old, 
You know, I, I sort of I witness through my son as his friends the impact that um, society is having. We're all addicted to social media. I, I, I'm as guilty a, a, as as my son is, and that I think we have this this habit of blaming the platforms. And the platforms are just a conduit for the content that is an expression of what the human condition is of society, you know. And so I think the interesting thing that's shifting and we're starting to see some of it. And thank you, Selena Gomez, you know, for starting new conversations about mental health on the platforms. I think that's breaking down the stigma of mental health. And I think that's leading more people to open up and do things. And the platforms are actually quite a good conduit to that. Um, so I, I like, I hope that will be the shift that we'll see. Yeah, no, definitely. I think both us, both a source for good and a source for some challenges, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the work that Havas is doing to attempt to close the healthcare equity gap. What solutions have you identified in this area that you're finding are working well? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked about that because it's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. Um, coming into the health space as I did two years ago was um, was an amazing experience, but also an eye-opening experience to those that, that have access and have the knowledge about um, health and those that don't. And, and I think as the world's largest health and wellness communications company, we have both the opportunity and the responsibility to help our clients um, bring health for all, not just health for some. And some of the things that we're doing specifically and, and a passion area for me is wealthtainment. And wealthtainment is meant to bring together health education with um, entertainment-based content. So whether that's episodic television or music or gaming or sports, how do we bring health education into that? We're in a world where 55% of the media we consume and growing isn't ad supported. So ads alone are not the solution to closing the health equity gap. It's fascinating. And I'm keen to understand more. There's so much to unpack in this report. Um, another area that I'm keen to understand a bit more about is this idea of prioritizing design when it comes to investing in healthcare. I wonder if you can talk about the trends that you've seen in this space and, and how the healthcare industry is becoming a bit more natural part of our homes. Yeah. I think, that it, and this is the big shift that I suppose the report feels like it most powerfully communicates, which is this isn't about the gizmos and gadgets for Gen X early adopting nerds like me. You see this wave being driven by millennials and you see it driven by every brand becoming a health brand. You see health and wellness coming into our cars. You see health and wellness coming into our homes, health and wellness coming into our offices. That transformation is, that's the consumerization of health. While we're on this topic, you know, we're at the Consumer Electronics Show. There's so many innovations on the show. Um, you know, I, I suppose we're fairly early on and we've got a few days left to go and have a look at all the gadgets. But have you seen anything so far that you're excited by when it comes to healthcare innovations? Yeah, well... I think, look, the first thing I have to say walking the floor is the introduction of transparent televisions, which is now I feel like I need to redesign my home around uh, transparent uh, televisions. But when you think about health, there was a couple of things that I was sort of like, 
holy shit, that's going to change the world. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how facial recognition can identify um, how you're feeling, which is that there are these micro movements in our face that can identify really where we are on, on, on scales of, um, of mental health. Um, that words alone don't communicate. But this company, Blue Sky, ha feels like they've gone next level with it. And they're doing a trial in India to see if doing a scan of your face can predict um, early signs of diabetes and other health conditions. That, to me, um, is this future of predictability. It is the power of AI and machine learning to go to the next level. One area I really, I'm really keen to ask you about when it comes to this kind of increased predictability is getting consumers to adopt it. Because it seems yeah. like there's some reticence. When I speak to my parents about the uh, evolutions in uh, elderly healthcare, they always say to me, well, I don't want to be spied on in my home. Like, exactly. I, don't want, I don't want all these cameras around seeing if I'm opening my fridge enough times. So how, how, how is the healthcare industry kind of navigating this challenge when it comes to you know, training consumers to accept these kind of yeah. technologies. I think there's two parts to that. One, I don't know that we're going to get our parents' generation to be fundamentally more comfortable with the freedom of information that exists. I think Gen Xers and particularly millennials are way more comfortable with the modern world that we live in where very little in our lives is private, whether we like it or not. And I think where we get the benefits of, you know, voice and connected phones that our parents don't appreciate. So I think it's why we see this mass adoption being driven by millennials and making the big shift. But you asked another important question, which is, how do you get people to bring this into your life? How do you, how, how do you get the benefits of it um, to the most number of people? And that's where you're seeing a bunch of the, the interesting shifts going on. One, you see things like uh, yesterday, there's this uh, company, QPad that has created a test that uses, that can test for different disease states based on menstrual blood which means that you don't have to get a traditional blood draw. Almost every month, you can get a reading on where are the predictive signs of where things are going in your blood. That's like amazing. And think about what that does to help close the health equity gap. So I think we're seeing accessibility to these things come into what we're already doing as opposing to add a technology to our lives. Fascinating. Um Great. I feel like we could talk all day about these things. There's so much to unpack and so much to learn. I do want to ask what areas you would caution healthcare marketers to be mindful of. You know, we were just talking about uh, privacy and how I guess our generation has been trained to accept that there is not, no such thing as completely private lives anymore. But there is also increased scrutiny of healthcare data. Is this something you're seeing more front and center of the innovations yeah. that you're um, seeing out of the healthcare industry? Yeah, I, I think the, the interesting thing about, look, all of these products that we're seeing, all of the things that we're doing with clients is with strong, you know, HIPAA protections around that. The interesting thing that drives the ability to be able to do that is that your data lives on your phone. It doesn't live in the cloud. It, it can use all of the cloud data to make a difference, but a lot of these connected health things are, it's your data, it lives on your devices. 
And so that is that is certainly a shift around the protection of your data that that we're seeing. That's why this your own personal health equals ecosystem is being driven in large part by your protection of data. But you know, look, you asked about the the dangers, the 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 watchouts. AI isn't perfect. It it wasn't perfect before. It's not going to be perfect tomorrow. The promise of driverless cars, which were were seen litigated and and present by that could be whether it was Cruise or whether it's Tesla, like. It takes people and AI to make life better. I don't want a world, a doctorless world. I don't want to go on on my phone or my tablet and and never see a doctor. I want a doctor, though, that is powered by AI and using all of that information about population health and and my hereditary story and the symbols that you see in my blood work or, or, or my facial expressions. I want my doctor to be using that to help me make better choices, for her to make better choices um, for me. But I don't want to like I don't want to live in a world where I've given all of that up uh, to a machine. And so that would be my watch out. I, I think sometimes we think the machine is going to do everything. And, and, and I'm not sure that's the answer. We've talked a, a bit about accessibility. And, and another area I'm keen for your thoughts on uh, whether you're seeing investment in healthcare spread across like different needs. You know, I think historically there's been accusations that there's more investment in men's health and women's health historically. Are you seeing that shift, uh, you know, that there is a greater proportion of investments uh, across the whole spectrum of healthcare needs? Yeah, I, I think, yes, you're seeing, when we talk about the health equity gap, like that takes on many forms. That that's the health equity gap as it as it exists in black and brown communities. It's the health equity gap as it exists in uh, women versus men, rural versus urban. Like the health equity gap lives in many ways. Technology can help close that, but it is a responsibility for all of us to think about how any of these things come online become something that improve the health of all, not just the health of some. I think there's also there's another watch out to that, right, which is that AI mirrors or exacerbates the biases that already live in society. And so when we talk about a world where health data is going to predict future issues or outcomes, if the fundamental engine of it is is biased, the output of it is going to be biased. And, and, and I think that's something that's going to become an increasingly big conversation. Are you seeing much action to counteract some of these challenges? <laughs> um, I think everybody's aware of it and trying to make a big difference in it. I, I do think for what it's worth right at the moment that we're living in now, we also bear a responsibility to making sure that, that get back to this, we can't let the machines by themselves make the decisions for us. We can use them to help us make better decisions. Um, but we also have to be mindful that they're they look they've advanced more in some ways in the way that we bring ai into our lives in the last what 12 months than the previous 20 years so i you know a lot of good will come but they're certainly watch outs today that's for sure and that's certainly coming up a lot during ces we've unpacked a lot of what's contained within the report but i wonder if you could 
kind of give a bit of an overview of what are the key learnings for marketers from this report, um, some key things they should be taking away? Look, I think when you think about the macro thought behind superhuman, it's that we see health transforming every part of our lives. And so the report isn't for health marketers, it's for marketers everywhere. If you are a marketer of any product that's not bringing health into your strategy, you're doing it at your own peril. If you're not thinking about how you bring technology um, into your strategy where brands are becoming part of this health ecosystem, you do so at your own you know, peril. Like, I hope what will come out of this report is a is a realization that every brand is a health brand and every brand has both an opportunity and a responsibility to be part of the health conversation. And that if we are going to tackle these fundamental ideas of health inequity, which we touched on, we have to all do it together. We have to do it through entertainment. It has to happen through uh, technology. Like we have to take on health as the totality um, of, of what we're doing as a society. We're not getting healthy as healthier as a society. There are pockets, there are blue zones, but we're not getting healthier. And so um, we all have to become part of that, that the solution. I guess that's the kind of irony is that there's so many solutions for us to become healthier, but that's not happening. Why, why, is, why is that the case? I, look, I, <laughs> we are getting quite philosophical about how we're, we're living. For all of our interest in Peloton and exercise we're, and the accessibility of um, workouts from the best people just going on Netflix or YouTube, we're working out less and, and obesity is growing. So um, why is that? I, look, we're, I think we're still, as a society coming to grips with the fundamental shifts of the human condition. And I think that's why we're seeing some people adopt more health into their lives than ever before and others who feel left behind in that. And, and, and I don't know, I'm hopeful that technology can bridge that gap of accessibility and affordability and all, all and, and education and all of those things. But um, there is work still to be done. When it comes to um, accessibility and bridging the gap, I think one area that was talked about as a really promising thing a few years ago, and I suppose is coming back into the zeitgeist, is mixed reality, augmented reality, you yeah. know, the headsets that are available yeah. now. Are you seeing a kind of resurgence of um, interest in and what, this, what these technologies can do for the healthcare industry and for like, the healthiness of people? Yeah. Yes and no. Like, I think we have a habit that maybe this is part of our 24-hour news cycle or our addiction to, to, to TikTok, which is we go all in on one thing. And then we say, yeah, that's wrong. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is wrong. It's not going to be all, you know, the metaverse. And we jump on to the next thing, which is AI at the moment. The reality is none of these things are coming and going. They all become part of the total package. Like, I don't know what I like. I'll probably get the statistic wrong, but I think that something like 75% of kids under 13 are on Roblox. That is the metaverse. Do we think that suddenly when they become 
20 or 40 that they suddenly are going to make this shift where they don't want the metaverse or, or, or their virtual selves to suddenly switch to their real selves? I, I, I think not. I think they will want a part of that to be part of their lives. And so I don't think we're all going to be walking around in headsets. But I think some of us are going to go home and put them on and game or do a yoga class or like it's just it becomes part of the totality of that. Uh, and I think we get a little bit too excited and sometimes think, well, this is going to change everything. And, it, you know, it's just look at what we packed to come to CES. You know, used to be a laptop. Now there's, a you know, we have phones and tablets and laptops and Kindles and and, you know, all of the stuff that you have that you're recording. This I know. <laughs> I got pulled over for all of this stuff. <laughs> Airport Your control weren't trunk. a fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about some of the healthcare innovations that you've seen at CES. You're excited by equally. Why do you think there's still room for improvement when it comes to uh, healthcare and technology? Well, I think some of that gets back. the The room for improvement is in accessibility. The more people that this technology and information and predictability can touch, the bigger difference that will make in, in overall health. And, and what often happens is these things that can transform our lives end up becoming most accessible in some ways to the people that least need them. And so I think that is, a, that is the opportunity as an industry, as a world that we have, which is to make sure that the people that most need, that can most benefit from uh, this technology have access to it. Well, Eric, I think we've solved a lot of human issues <laughs> yeah. in our half an hour chat today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your CES. You as well. Yeah.